you can build something that is connective and thoughtful and shares a level of personality and, and intimacy, like we said before, in a way that is very rare with corporate communication channels. Hello, welcome to the Talking Leaders podcast season on why podcasting is perfect for leaders. I'm Paul Gisby. In this episode, I'm talking with J.P. Gooderham, founder and CEO of Storyboard. So, you've made your podcast and are keen to get it out there. But how do you do this in a way that provides listeners with the kind of easy access they're used to when listening to podcasts, while at the same time keeping it private to your organisation? and maintaining enterprise-level security. Also, how do you maximise engagement and interaction with your target audience? Well, you may want to take a look at Storyboard. With over 5,000 organisations having now used Storyboard for their podcast, there are few people who have better insights into the potential of podcasting for leaders. I asked JP first if he could describe what Storyboard is and why it was created. Storyboard is a podcast hosting platform, but one specifically for companies. So we've been in business since 2019. And what we noticed years ago was that increasingly leaders, managers, and other folks at these companies were often thinking about how could they engage their employees, especially those who were on the go, traveling, or just very busy. And we found, I think, Paul, this is something you've talked about many times on, on your podcast, Leaders look for opportunities for great communication, and there wasn't yet a great platform to actually share and release that content. So Storyboard is a full suite of apps. We cover all devices where companies can release internal focused podcasts and content. It's accessible on the go. And best of all, it's secure. It's something that will work with the enterprise environment that so many companies crave. Mm. And I think a lot of people, they they would carry characterize what you offer is the opportunity to provide private podcasting. I mean, that's the point. And and I think the thing that's great about you is you provide the full podcast experience, but it's internal and it's private to the, to the company. And uh, I think that's, that's, that's really key. I know a lot of, a lot of clients worry about that and say, well, you know, if we put them on Apple, won't everybody be able to see it? So, and you get around that. As you said that, Paul, it reminds me of the early days, many of our first customers and users even who were just thinking about trying this at their company, they would go through this journey where they would say, you know, I listen to podcasts all the time, maybe for business reasons or other reasons, and I love doing it. I want to bring it to our company. And then they realize that traditional podcast services, they're fantastic at getting you in front of a global audience. What they're not fantastic at is making it private, make it internal and secure so that it can be something where you can have honest, open conversations that could be about important topics that are relevant to your employees and your staff. Uh, So we've been around since then. Uh, We went through many iterations, and I think our big focus is delivering a great experience, not just for the podcaster, but for that person who is listening, who's going to be jumping in their car or going on a walk or whatever the case may be. Hmm. And I think one of the other things I like about you guys is your own podcast, which is about what you do. They all, your, what do you call it? Use P-O-P-P, pro, podcast on private podcasting. 
and uh, you you regularly feature clients there, don't you? Don't you talking about uh, what they do and the experiences they've had? It's exceptional just hearing from people and hearing ways that they can go with the podcast experience that you would never anticipate. And it's so fascinating because just like in the regular world of podcasting, where there's many specialties and many interests, different leaders find different voices within their companies. And you know, I think about a few different buckets from people who use this as a way to replace a town hall uh, or a, a big kind of top-down communication that they might be doing to their entire staff. That's one approach. And it's great because it can save people time. It can make it accessible across time zones and languages. There are definitely advantages there. But then I think of other examples where people will go in with a very personality and people-driven approach. That can include interviewing people not just among the leadership team, but across the company. And those are great opportunities because you think about most companies, you may have a workforce where there are people on your team who have been in that role or a similar role for decades, and they've built up so much hard-won knowledge. And just interviewing them and hearing not just about what they've learned in their journey, but things that they can impart on others, those can be some very creative and fun series to listen to. And to your point, we get the opportunity to interview one of our creators is what we call them. Somebody who's building a podcast on storyboard about once a month. And it's always a great time. Mm. Mm. Now you started to touch on, on some of the advantages of podcasting there, but let's go into that in a little bit more detail. And in particular, the thing that I'm, I'm keen to do with this season is really highlight to leaders, the power of pure audio or voice audio. Um, someone advised me the other day to call it. Um, because that's what we're talking about. And although it's great that there are more people starting to use podcasting in the way that you've just beautifully described, um, I think we've we've still got a way to go with a, with a lot of leaders. And I think a lot of them still aren't either quite sure or maybe they're just ignorant of of where audio is particularly powerful. So let, let me ask you that. What why what is the power of of the pure audio? Do you think? I love the way you put that, by the way, because we've we've had many conversations with potential new customers and companies who are looking to do this for the first time. And when we were starting, we would get this question, you know, we're already doing so much email and text. We're doing a lot of video. There are many communication channels that companies have access to. So to your question, what does audio and voice specifically do in a unique way? And I think about my big three. And the first one is it's accessible everywhere, right? So if you think about a video, I can't get the full video experience unless I can use both my eyes and my ears simultaneously. That limits the places that I can access it, right? From, I've mentioned before, some of our favorite stories from our listeners can include someone's getting information while they're driving into the office, or maybe they're uh, commuting or whatever the case may be reaching people in the moment when they have a chance to listen in. It's so critical for leaders because every company is busy, right? But it's not just that tactile advantage. The second big reason I talk about is that voice can communicate something with context, right? You can hear the inflection of my voice, what I'm thinking about, what I'm talking about. One of my favorite stories of this ever from one of our storyboard users was a real estate company here in the United States and they were growing so quickly. They were opening new offices. And their CEO mentioned that 
when he opens a new office and walks through the hallways, people know him not because of what he looks like, but because of the sound of his voice and what they've heard from the podcast that he's done, which is so neat. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think the third thing is that when you're trying to have honest and open conversations within your company, right? Whether that's giving people color commentary and a vision of what you're doing, it's important that people feel comfortable. And it's kind of nice using only your voice. We've all been on video, especially during the onset of COVID when there was so much Zoom and Microsoft Teams calls and and we could go on. It's nice to not have the pressure of being on video and just being able to have a conversation, which is a great way to get someone you're interviewing comfortable and get them into the conversation, if that makes some sense. It makes a lot of sense to me, and and I'm very, very glad to hear it. Let's, let's explore that a little bit more. I mean, do you think leaders, well, you just said it, leaders, they communicate differently depending on whether they're in front of a camera or just a microphone. I mean, that's something I've I've been very, very conscious of. Uh, I mean, there are two things for me about, about video as well, in particular, um, when it comes to that. And one is, it's, it's just so much easier to edit audio. So you you really don't have to worry too much about, you know, saying, can we do that bit again or breaking it up or whatever. Whereas in video, you've got to think a bit more about that and, and reshoots and, and, you know, reruns are just that much more difficult. And I do think, I, I do think that it takes a, a really skilled leader to be able to, to handle that in the way that say a professional TV presenter would. Whereas when you just have them sitting in front of a, of a microphone, well, these days, because microphones on laptops and computers are so good, just in front of their computer, which they do pretty much all the time anyway, I do think they relax more. And I, I believe they are therefore more authentic in their communication. I mean, would you, would you agree with that, that perspective? There are two major things that jump out to me. First off, think about how many times, not just this week, but throughout our lives, we have used our voice for communication. And it's not just being on a podcast because not everyone has been on a podcast before. I think about voice memos. I think about voicemails. I think about phone calls. We're accustomed to having these voice-based conversations where video, not many of us have been professional actors or recorded uh, you know, something for a workshop or whatever it might be. And it lowers the pressure. That's the first piece. But the second thing, Paul, that you called out, and in this environment where there's so many demands in our time, what when I'm working with leaders and they're talking about why they're coming to podcasting, this is a major mobilizing force. What can I do to create something of value that connects with people in the least amount of time, right? Whether it's the time that they're investing in recording or editing or whatever it might be. In your point that video can necessitate reshoots and edits, and it's heavy. And that's a real thing. I remember one of my favorite stories of this. We have a customer who's a pharmaceutical company here in the US, and they did video for years. And when they would need to edit something, they would often realize it in post-production a day or two later. And they might need to come back and re-record that piece. And they would literally need to put on the same suit or shirt or whatever it might be from the day they recorded to do the reshoot. And you compare that to audio where editing something, it takes seconds. You can do it in some cases from your phone. It's just so Mm. much simpler, which is a great point. Mm. Mm. Uh, Yeah. I mean, although I I agree, Kylie, and I think that's largely the case, there is is 
there is a slightly more punk feel about things these days, though, where uh, I know somebody said to me, well, so what if we have a jump cut? Well, it doesn't matter so much. And it seems like some of the younger generation, that doesn't bother them so much. So maybe maybe that's, uh, that, that's, that's changing a little bit. But, it, but it's still, I love the way you describe it, heavy. I, I mean, just doing a photo shoot, there are more people in the room. For, for example, okay, you could you could you could do it like we are now, and you can record that kind of video with it, people just sitting with headphones. But it's it and it's it's just that much much more. But having said that, let's call out the elephant that's that's creeping into the room these days. What do you think about the the move to so called video podcasts? Uh, I, I mean, one statistic I keep hearing, I don't know if I believe it or not, but people keep quoting it to me that the fastest growing podcast platform is YouTube. It's an interesting dynamic as we look at the consumer space. And, and you know, I'll raise my hand here since some people may not be familiar with Storyboard. We are an audio first platform and we're very intentional about the decision. And, you know, I call that out in case uh, this is some level of bias, but I'll make my argument here, which is that if video works for your organization and you have a, a, a staff of employees or a workforce that loves video and it, it works for them, do what is working is what I would tell a customer or a client. But I would make the argument that for a vast majority of teams, audio is still going to be your best mechanism for a couple of the reasons that we talked about before. The lightweight nature of it is a huge advantage in terms of just reducing the amount of time that it takes to produce something. When we look at our storyboard data, and we have over 5,000 companies who have created podcast and voice channels on storyboard. The biggest differentiator between those that really stick where it, it matters to their team, people are tuning in, they have high completion rates. The single biggest differentiator is frequency. And so if whatever it takes to be in a frequency where people can expect it, right? You think of many of our favorite television programs uh, or even our favorite podcasts, a consistent theme is that there's some level of consistency typically to when they release. Maybe it's every week. Maybe it's every two weeks. And so I think about that as a big advantage of audio with the simplicity of creating it, where maybe one week, you know, and, and we've all been there, you might not have the perfect guest lined up. Okay, I'll record alone. I did that this week for our team at Storyboard, and we, I just talked through our product vision for Q4. Here are the big things that we're going to work on. The other thing that I would call out, Paul, when we think about video is that video isn't just heavy in terms of production, there are much larger video sizes of files, right? When you yeah. compare a video file to an audio file. Yeah. And I would encourage people to think about what makes it as easy as possible for someone to tune in. Something that takes like less than a second to load or something that requires buffering and even downloading in some cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm sort of, I, I mean, I do video now and then for, for clients. Uh, I use Final Cut Pro. And uh, I, my computer's not its first flush of youth, but it's got got a pretty big hard drive. But it, after a while, it's throwing up all sorts of messages. Your disk is full. You need to clear stuff. You know, it, it, it's uh, it's huge. <laughs> I mean, I know editing takes takes a bit more, but okay. So let me let me keep going. I want to get really deep into this because the one thing I really want to do is is get across to leaders. You know, the the, the sort of. Uh, what's what's the, the the word I'm looking for? The very precise, sort of targeted way in which they can can use audio. I mean, what 
you talked there about very briefly about some examples, and obviously, uh, giving information, giving news, that kind of thing is, is is pretty straightforward. But what other kind? And thinking particularly about leaders and, and effective leadership, what other kinds of communication do you think audio could could should be considered as the the, the medium of choice? I think there's a few emerging trends over the past couple of years that have been pretty consistent winners. And, and Paul, you called this out that many companies instinctively think about this as a news vehicle of mm. what if we did a, a weekly blast? We'll call this, we often use the word snacks, uh, just because it can be something bite-sized and small that people can get quickly on the go. That is definitely a use case. But I think as companies go deeper, they find that it's most beneficial when they can do something that audio is uniquely connective right? Where it gives something that you really wouldn't get anywhere else. A couple examples that come to mind and to your mention before of the podcast that we do, these stories come from some of our customers who have been featured on our podcast. They've talked about their story. One of my favorite ones, it actually comes from a governmental organization in Alaska. And this was a leader who had a hybrid team. They had people in the office and then people who also were on the go basically visiting families uh, to provide social service support. And it was a very complex communication issue. People were not getting communications the same way if they were at a desk or they were not at a desk. The way that they looked to resolve that was really in two steps. One, they did a series that was providing critical need-to-know information, which could be anything from HR updates that might be applicable to benefits and policies, which was important, but maybe not the most personal and and personality-driven piece. But what they did that was very clever was they started interviewing members of their team. And that provided uh, basically a kind of one-two punch, if you will, where you were also getting to know people that you work with, even if you never saw them in the office because they were constantly on the road. That was a podcaster named Tim. He did a phenomenal job, has released over 120 episodes, which is incredible. I think the other thing that jumps out is think about, and this is what we encourage people to do, think about what the primary problem is if you're a leader in communicating with your staff. If it is that there's not a way for people to get something easily, we hear that from time to time of, well, I'm releasing things, but our software today makes it so challenging for people to tune in, or you know, we have a bad video play or whatever the case may be. That can be a pretty straightforward problem to solve. But if you're finding that there's a specific gap, like the one that this governmental organization saw of, we have a very distributed team and it's hard to connect. I always encourage people to focus there. What is the biggest problem that we can go after through audio? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. I mean, for me as well, uh, it's the depth that you can go to in terms of of exploring ideas in particular. I mean, I, I took... Uh, I, I spoke to, to obviously a lot of people over the years, and I ended up with sort of four things that I think can make well-crafted voice audio particularly effective. I, I talk about clarity. Uh, I say the pure voice audio offers the opportunity to focus on a leader's thinking and passion. And this is the thing about once you get people relaxed and the real authentic leader comes through, I think you do pick up that passion. Uh, depth and subtlety, because you can, I think you can really unpack ideas in a conversation, which is is, is what we're sort of talking about. Um, I mean, also, it, it, it's, it's difficult to get hard data on this, but um, 
impact and retention. I think there is some evidence that that audio people remember stuff from from listening to it from audio than more than they would if they they they'd seen it on a video or even watched a, a PowerPoint. And then, you know, this thing I call it connection, but this is a word we use in podcasting, and and you know sometimes people look at you a bit quizzically when you say it. It's called intimacy. And I just think there is there's something really powerful and effective about being literally between someone's ears. It's those principles, and and I don't know if I would have used the same words if I if we sat down with a whiteboard and done this, but I think mm. you and I would have had very similar concepts. And that intimacy bucket, it's spot on, right? You think about how often do you get a chance to directly talk to someone, especially if you're a leader of a mid-size or a large-size team? And it's very unique. And it can be a very special and connective way to reach people. Mm. And I think that one of the things I would highlight, even to your past question of, what are some of the ways that audio can be unique? What are some of the ways that audio can, can reach this kind of deeper connection? We find that the podcasters who even are open to talking about some of the more challenging issues of their business. Or, you know, we've had a number of series in the last year that have been launched on areas like wellness, uh, work-life balance. And those can be conversations where people are being very honest about challenges they've had across their career. And what you find is these are things that when people listen to them, they make them understand their leaders at a much deeper level and they spur conversations. And I think that if your podcast, and even if it's not really a podcast, it's just, hey, I had a thought on this and I shared something quickly and I recorded it and got it out there. If it can spur that kind of conversation, something special is happening. That to mm. me is one of the hallmarks that it's catching on. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Just thinking then, if we, if we were advising somebody who's thinking of, of, of putting together a podcast, I mean, what would you what would you call out and say? What are the key the, for you would be the key ingredients that you'd need for an effective podcast? What are the main things you have to have in place? It's it's a, a very interesting question because over the years we have spent more and more time. And Paul, I'm, I'm curious what your reaction to this is. Uh, we've spent more time explaining to potential starters why this is actually a much smaller task than they anticipate. I think of three things. I recommend having some type of microphone, which can be as inexpensive as $50 US <laughs> uh, in some cases to get a USB microphone off of Amazon or elsewhere. I advise having a vision. What is the problem that you're trying to solve? And having a basic frequency of, I am going to not just put this out once and wait for an outpouring of support and decide. I like to kind of advise people, think about doing this for a quarter. Think about doing mm. this for a couple of mm. quarters every week or every other week so that you have a cadence and you can build your audience. And I say that to me, it feels very simple to people because they're used to listening to professional podcasters who are trying to reach in many cases, millions of people. And a word that you used earlier that I'll call out here is that this is all about depth. It's not about reaching a massive wide-scale audience when you get to internal company-focused podcasting. Mm. It is about, in my opinion, reaching your team, being mm. a human, 
connecting with them and talking about the real topics that are top of mind for people. And so it can be very lightweight to get going. And and mm. it's the biggest kind of myth I try to debunk with with people, which is that this doesn't need to be expensive in time or money to get going. It's more about that commitment. What has your experience been, though? Does any of that connect with you? Yeah, ab- absolutely. It does. I mean, the, the one that, that you called out, which um, I think is really, really important and quite often catches people by surprise, is you called it vision. Uh, and I would, I, I've called it purpose or, you know, I asked the question, uh, a common experience I have is I'll, I'll, someone will say, we're thinking of doing podcasting. Can you help us? And, and what they think they need help with is the techie stuff. So the, the you know, the microphone stuff they're, they're very grateful when you say to them, look, you don't have to spend thousands of pounds on, you know, the kind of thing I'm talking to in you at the, through at the moment. Um, it's pretty straightforward. Um, but I then say to them, then they explain to me what they want to do and they've got all the episodes all mapped out and I listen to all that kind of stuff. And then I roll back. I say, okay, can we just go back a little bit? Why are you doing this? You know, how do you want people to think, feel and act differently when they've heard these episodes? And I won't say no one's ever thought about it, but no one, I've never found anyone who's really thought it through fully. And when we start from there and then we have the conversation... We usually end up using the material and the people that they had in mind, but in a completely different way. And there is a bit of a feeling that people think, well, some people do think they get the lightweight thing. They think, oh, well, I'll just turn up. I'll just talk to my phone. You know, one guy said, well, I was thinking what I would do is I would record my podcast in my car on the way to work. Now, actually, that could be really good (laughs) if he's really good and he really knows what he's talking about. But he wasn't, and so it's it, you do need to have that vision. I, I agree entirely. I think your point about the frequency one is one I've not emphasised. What I tend to do tends to be uh, sort of short term stuff, fixed seasons. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. If you're going to have the, the in-house podcast, then you have to have frequency and consistency and reliability. You, you better be there on Thursday morning when you say you're going to you're going to uh, uh, release a podcast because that will, if you don't, it will seriously damage your reputation. So yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. It's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's key, really key. Um, well, one thing we should talk about though, I suppose, is because audio isn't for everyone, is it? I think there's a few, a few learnings we've had there. One of them, we're, we're kind of excited about the way that we're addressing it. The first one was podcasting as a workplace communication tool has just changed so considerably. I mentioned we started in 2019. In 2019, it wasn't crickets. It wasn't that there was no one doing it, but it was truly the early adopters. It was not a groundswell of people trying it, but it was just so exciting that we were starting to see people giving this a go for the first time. And Mm. I think fast forwarding to 2023, This has become a much more normalized thing, although it hasn't reached necessarily every company, which you alluded to earlier. And one of the holdups that we saw was at large companies, okay, podcasting and voice can be so beneficial, but can we make it accessible, right? Think about people who might be hard of hearing, for instance. Does the podcast actually leave them out if they're not in a position to be able to tune in? Something, you know, not to make this just about storyboard, I think this is good advice for any podcaster. 
we've now launched transcription into our service so that you can upload a podcast and you're going to get a transcript back. You can do that with or without Storyboard if you use other services. We like to do it as this proverbial one-stop shop to make it easy for our podcasters. I do think that accessibility is very important. I think thinking about the podcaster and just another thing that, that, that Paul, you just alluded to, I think if I were advising someone getting started, if you have a vision for how your episode is going to look and feel and what is the tone of it, to me, that's the starting point. And if you're not there yet, that's okay. Like you might get there over time or you might need some time to think through it. But I think you're right that the right time to start isn't just when you kind of have the idea of I'm just going to start recording and go. It's probably one step further of what are the steps in this that is going to make this impactful to our team? And once you see that and that's your vision, to me, that's the other thing that's so essential to make these successful. Mm. Do either of those Mm. resonate? Absolutely, completely, absolutely, they do. They do, and I, just as you were talking there, and I was thinking, thinking around all the things we've we said. Um, one other essential for me when you get started, and it, and it talks to your point about frequency and consistency, is don't start, don't release an episode until you have maybe ten in the can. You know that that we I, that people don't talk about it so much, but in the early days, people used to talk about the sixth episode of death or the seventh episode. The number would change. But there was this point where you'd reach the, the that episode, and it was because you know people would think let's do a podcast, and they'd have a quick brainstorm over a coffee, and they'd ha- they think they'd have loads of ideas, and they'd maybe have six, and then then they'd run out. And uh, that's another thing you think you have to think carefully about: is does this have longevity? Because it, it's okay to do six, but it's only okay to do six if you say I'm only going to do six. If you set off and say, this is the, you know, the, the, the daily Acme company podcast. And then after six weeks, you, you know, you stop. That's, uh, that, 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 that's not, not going to uh, work so much. The other thing about the listeners, I mean, that's, this is, this is a challenge I've had, I have had in the past. And in a way we, our technology sort of shoots us in the foot a little, you know, the one thing about the public facing podcasts, you know, Joe Rogan, for example, doesn't have this problem. Uh, well, he doesn't have it for lots of reasons, but he he does not. He cannot numerate seriously the total size of his audience. So there's no way to measure the percentage hit rate that he has. Um, whereas when you're doing internal stuff, if, you're, if your podcast is relevant to 10,000 people or 100 people, well, you know that. And the technology tells you how many of them listened to it. And they don't all listen to it. And I have had I have had people say to me, they've been disappointed, you know. And you, you get back. I remember one guy. He had a first the first few episodes. We had a thir- about a third, a thirty three percent hit rate of people listening, and they were listening all the way through. And he said, "Oh, that's a real shame, you know. Not, they're not they're not all listening to it." And I said, "Well, yeah, that sometimes happens." He said, "Well, when I send out a PowerPoint, everyone reads it." I said, "Do they?" You don't know that. <laughs> I bet they don't. It's just that the the audio shows it. But then, you know, the question that there is, and of the thirty three percent who listened, what did they say? Oh, they love it. You know, and they're really into it. So that's that's a bit of a challenge. I mean, have you have you come across similar things? It's such a good call out, which is expectation setting. Is you know, this is one of those those aspects where. I loved your analogy, which is when you do a, a, a public podcast, 
your audience is potentially the world. And you never think about it as I got 1% of 1% of 1% to listen to my show against the entire global population. But it's very easy to think that way when you're doing an internal private podcast for your company, because you know that you might work with a staff of 300 or 3,000 or or 300,000 people. And I think there's two very insightful pieces that you just named, and I want to underline them with a Sharpie marker because I think they're so vital. And the first one is not everyone is going to listen, but this can be a channel that can reach more people than other channels you would have. That's where I start with. Can you get something through audio that you're not getting elsewhere? And to me, that moves the ball forward. A great example of this is that we've seen that a lot of company newsletters which is a pretty common communication channel other than than podcasting, they'll often have read rates at 10 to 20% on average. And so if we compare that to your podcaster who might have achieved a 30% performance, well, that's a significant number of people who were yeah. not tuned in already who are now checking it out. Yeah. But even moving beyond that, the other thing, and I think it's so important, and, and we've seen it time and time again, it's that word depth. At the end of the day, there will be a percentage of every company who, for whatever reason, is not tuned into these key communication channels, right? And that could be a newsletter, that could be a podcast, that could be a video, but they might not be reachable because that's not how they connect. That's not how they're connected at work. Where I like to focus with leaders is how do you serve uh, your vision, your focus, your personality? Uh, to the f- the people who are engaged. And a great story of this, we have it on our site. We have a medical device company. They're multinational. And one of their teams found that every single one of their top salespeople were listening to their company's podcast. When they actually looked and compared the data of the performance um, of, those, uh, of those people in the field versus were they listeners to their podcast on Storyboard, they were the same people. And the oh, learning wow. there is even if there might have been people who weren't tuning in, they were empowering their best talent who was most likely to stick around at the company, most likely the most likely to grow at that company. They were giving them the tools. And I think that that is a, like an important pursuit, to be honest. Yeah, no, I agree. And because the other thing as well is, you know, we're not saying to people, hey, you should do podcasting and throw all the other communication media away. You just rely on this. It's part of the suite. And I, I like what you said there about this helps move the ball down the field. It's not the only player on the team, if we can stick with the sports analogy for a second. Um, it, it, but it adds something extra and it will speak to some people in a particular way. The other thing as well, um, and I don't know how many of your, your clients uh, do this. One thing that that we've been doing a lot of in recent years is what we call wisdom capture, which is interviewing usually senior, experienced uh, people to capture. And we call it wisdom because it's not just knowledge. It's not just specific instructions. Do this, do this. It's more, you know, it's now, it's know-how. It's the kind of stuff that you only really develop over time with experience. But... It can be passed on to some degree because there is no substitute for real experience at the end of the day. But it can be passed on by stories when you hear some of these people uh, talk about this. And when you do those kind of podcasts, the point about those is they're not 
for immediate consumption. They're not like your daily newspaper where you get it, read it, and then tomorrow it's 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 old news. It's a long-lived resource, and sometimes it can be can be a slow burn. I mean, we did one one of the early ones we did was uh, we do a lot in the in the pharmaceutical uh, industry area was about how to deal with certain types of key meetings with regulatory authorities, and they're clearly labelled what you know people's experience of dealing with these meetings. We never got a surge. We, we got a mini surge at the beginning when we, we we launched it because it was curiosity, but then it died down. But if you look at it, it just bobbles along. You'll get one here, two here, one here, three here, five here. And what's happening is people are going to those when they have one of those meetings coming up. And someone says, oh, you should you should go and listen. So that's that's another uh, element to, to the whole thing. Don't expect everybody to rush off and, and gorge themselves on it because they don't need it. But when they do, it's there. I think it's a meaningful value add to get back to one of the, you know, I, I've been obviously talking about this concept of frequency of, of setting a standard with your audience and sticking to it. But at the same time, these limited run series are a phenomenal way to do this. And, and I love the reason that you just shared, which is that the content, the word we always use is evergreen. It is mm. going to be equally useful day one as it will be 700 days away, right? Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. It, for the most part, because it's not rote, simple knowledge. It's, it's that wisdom that someone has earned over the years of being there. And the second thing that I would relate that to is that, in, you know, we work with a global audience and I've heard this from leaders across a number of countries. One of the top themes people are consistently thinking about at the leadership level is retention. We live in a, an, envi an environment uh, in terms of the workplace where it is exponentially more common for people to move between not just roles, but companies on a regular basis. And leaders are constantly being confronted with the challenge of, how do we not just retain the best talent, but build them and help them to envision a long-term career at this company? And I would, I would ask a leader, what investments have you made to try to do that? And often there will be an answer where it's a mix of, well, we're trying these benefits through our human resources function. We're trying these different things. This is one of the ways in that menu or, or in that team, to use the analogy again, that you can use to bolster that story. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's not just me speaking. We're going to do an eight-part series, and we're going to interview people who have done some of these job functions and grown their careers at our company, and it is going to be focused on their personal and professional wisdom that they can share. And mm. that series will be equally relevant a year from now as it is on day one. And when someone can go back, and that's why I think having a software solution you know, that can support your podcast can be very helpful, have a search function. That is something I would really encourage because finding that old content when it's still useful, there's a real magic to that. Mm. So how do you how do you how do you facilitate that? Did you do you just have lots of tags all over the episodes, or do you do you have something that actually crawls the audio? In in our case, for storyboard users, our new strategy is this transcription service, which just basically right, takes course, the podcast, it gives it a text. But even for someone starting out, because there are loads of people who, you know, they're going to usually people will try something within their company's intranet or, or something like that to get started. There are hacky, scrappy ways that you can get started, right? That can be using tags, um, which is a great example, Paul. 
think about what are the key themes of your episode. So let's say that I am a trucking company and I have a fleet of drivers and I'm interviewing people who have now been on the road for 10 or more years. And this can be everything from professional development. Maybe people are now owning uh, a franchise or whatever the case may be. And that's the focus, how they can sort of escalate as part of this company. I can think about tags related to that driver and make it findable for someone down the road. So I always encourage people to do that, whether they're doing it on Storyboard, where we automate a lot of that, or whether they're doing it manually on another service. Mm. Okay. Okay. How do you how do you work with clients then? Do you do you? I mean, obviously, you've got the platform and you help them with all that. And and you talked about working with creators when they when they first set off. I mean, do you help them build content as well, or, or do they do that themselves? We do. And this is something we primarily see ourselves as a software company, but at the end of the day, we really want to be the strongest platform that someone can choose when they're launching an internal private podcast or voice channel. And Mm. so we've actually offered production services on our enterprise plans for over a year and a half. And a big reason we do that is to simplify the process of getting started. Just meaning that when someone finds us and they like the software, they say, look, this has our single sign-on security that our IT team will love. This has the different access controls that we need so that only our team will have access to it. Great, but now we need to figure out how to make the thing. So in those instances, we actually have an on-team producer who will work directly with our customers to help them not just build the vision, but can also help with editing and those other pieces. That is an option. We also have companies we work with who have their own external producer who they may have worked with on other projects. Maybe they've done external podcasts before. And in that case, we'll often just train that person on how to use our software so that they can be Mm. a participant as well. And then we have other people who you'll hear from them and they'll say, well, 20 years ago, I did radio and I'm I'm ready to go. And that's a great person to work with, too. So Mm. wherever you are on the spectrum, I tell people you know, the, the podcast, once you have the vision, it's lightweight, it's fast, and we'll get it up and running. Yeah. I mean, it's the vision fit bit that, that interests me because, I mean, that's, that's where uh, certainly I get involved most is, is actually, I, I, you know, I like to call it strategic communication, um, development. Um, and, and personally, I think, I, I think that's a, a key ingredient to really, really top cast, podcasting not everybody needs it i mean there, some people are just really good at, at thinking strategically but fortunately for me um they're not the majority i find that a lot of them do find that kind of thing um a, a, a little little awkward to begin with and so they really appreciate help with development of a framework that's going to allow them to to relax and then just talk about the the things that they feel passionately about and they know really well confident that it's all going in a direction that's, that's leading towards the outcome that they're uh, they're looking for. One thing we should talk about, JP, is length. And you said earlier about, we were talking about whether or not people listen. And this thing about length of podcast is, is an intriguing one because, I, I mean, I'm in, a, I'm in a, a, a podcast listeners club that meets once, once a month. And the majority of the people there will say that unless it's more than 25 minutes, they're very suspicious and not that keen on listening. They, and they like an hour-long podcast that fits with them. They feel they're going to get into the subject. And then you get other people who hate anything more than 25 minutes. 
And then, and then just to finish it off, the other one is when people first come to me and, they, and they're keen and they're interested in the idea, but they say, but, you know, can it be shorter? Because people's attention pan, uh, spans are quite short. And I say, well, how short? And they say, five minutes. So you've got this huge range of, of different uh uh, perceptions and preferences and how do you how do you talk to people about the whole length topic so i acknowledge i think like yourself i am a podcast person uh, i you know i'm listening to a three plus hour business podcast right now and i just tune into it every time i'm on a walk or whatever the case may be i try to look at the data and get an understanding of what have we seen from you know tens of thousands of users trying storyboard and listening to podcasts of their companies? And the the phrase that I always kind of harken back to is it's often attributed to the writer Mark Twain, uh, which is if I had more time, I would have edited more. Uh, yeah. Which is that I think that ultimately the the answer I would give to people more so than than saying it should only ever be twenty five minutes, it, it shouldn't only be twenty five minutes. There are cases where a longer format is the right thing for the content that you're building. And there are other cases where there's 10 minutes of excellence and then 10 minutes of content that that probably doesn't need to be there, where had that been 10 minutes, it would have been more retentive, it would have better connected with the audience, and would it, it would have been more likely for them to come back. We've mm-hmm. seen across our platform that on the shorter side, something in the 15 to 20 minute range, that typically has the highest completion rate because it has yeah. a solid amount of substance but is not so long that somebody cannot finish it in a single sitting uh, or a commute or something like that. I think that is a a pattern, but is not a rule. So if you were thinking about maybe a more polished series that you were building where it's going to be multiple segments and I expect that people might come back and listen to it over time, that can be a compelling case for it to be longer than 15, 20, 25 minutes. I would start with the vision though. And if you have a, a really core set of problems that you're solving and it needs some more time to do it, great. That's a great reason, reason to do it. Another thing is I've talked about frequency. This can also be an opportunity to break things into multiple pieces of shorter, shorter form content of there will be a part one and a part two to this conversation where you're kind of keeping people on the cliffhanger uh, to keep them coming back. So those, those are a few things that we have seen. Yeah. I mean, one thing I've, I've done in the past, which works really well, and, and it actually it, it does solve this problem about people worrying about the the attention span of their listeners is what I call layering. As I say, well, okay, well let's let's record the long form version, but I will edit it and I will do the digest version and I'll make it five minutes, and then we'll say. And if you want to hear you know the, the longer interview with with AN manager, then um, then you know you can go to it here or whatever, and that works that works really well because you do I do you do get feedback. For people to say, oh, well, when I saw the main thing was an hour long, I thought, oh, I'm not going to listen to that. But I listened to the digest and I thought, do you know what? I, I'm really interested in what she's got to say. So then I went and listened and it didn't feel like an hour. So I think it, it, it helps. I don't want to be stubborn and obdurate and just say, well, it's an hour and you've got, just got to accept it. I think <laughs> if you can, if you can uh, ease people in. All right, sir, I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, we've been going for a while now and, um, and, and I'm not not a fan of the four-hour podcast, so we're not going to be doing one of those today. One question, though, that I'm asking everybody, and I, and I gave you a bit of a heads up on this, so I hope I gave you enough time to think it through. Can you give us an example of a podcast? It can be from any show, anywhere, 
that you listened to that you remember that was memorably impactful? So it's not your favorite podcast, but it's one that, that really the audio had an impact upon you. So one that came back to me recently, and I, rem- I think the original episode came out in maybe 2018. It was some, some years ago. And it was an interview with Slack's founder and CEO, Stuart Butterfield. And it was on the show, How I Built This, which I think anyone who loves tech startups or, or maybe a founder of a company, that's a, not a particularly novel answer. I think a lot of people love, love that series. But what struck me about this interview specifically was that this is a, a founder and a company leader who has now created two different companies, uh, which were Flickr, uh, the photo sharing service, and then Slack. And both of them were created by accident. He was working on a completely different business, which was basically a video game both times. And they accidentally created two massive companies that impacted the internet at their points in time. And I think the reason why that jumps out to me is whether you're starting a podcast or starting a company or starting anything else, success is not linear. It's not something where it's very easy to say, I was here and then I was here and these were the two points in time. And I think it's a good reminder because you have those ebbs and flows. And I think when you're really excited about the core of what you're working on and you're open to something special and unexpected happening, sometimes it does. And it's a good reminder. So I I just, it's great to hear that perspective from somebody who has built their career sort of in that direction. Right. And did you know that before you listened to the episode or or was it a surprise that, right, okay. So that would really hit you then when it came through in the conversation. Yeah, it's, it's. It's so interesting just to hear, and and this is what I think you know. Not to 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 go back into my uh, my podcasting pitch again, but I think that's why when you know for people listening who are thinking about getting started with this, you can change over time. I think that the the big piece is, you know, we've we've kind of talked about this concept to have a vision. That's your starting point, and you'll start to get feedback. Talk to people who are listening. Understand what what makes them tick. And you can build something that is connective and thoughtful and shares a level of personality and, and intimacy, like we said before, in a way that is very rare with corporate communication channels. So I always, I guess, is my closing comment. I encourage people more than anything, get started and give it a try and go from there. JP, thank you so much. It's been great fun. Thank you very much for having me. I doubt there's anyone who can match the storyboard team's depth and breadth of experience in internal podcasting. So it really was great that JP himself made the time to speak with me and share their insights. If you want more information, I've included links in the show notes to the storyboard website and to the storyboard podcast, POP, it's short for Podcast on Private Podcasting, where you can hear the team's thoughts on best practice and users' stories about their own internal podcasts. I'm Paul Gisby of Talking Leaders. Want help being heard, understood, and building trust? Let's talk. Goodbye.